Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Good morning. So if you have your Bibles, grab them. We'll be bouncing around in the scripture this morning. So this is a little different Sunday morning. It may look familiar to you. It may look like Mother's Day. So I want to set you up with how this came about. Um, One of our moms was at a high school event where all the parents gathered, pretty much all the moms gathered, and they had name tags with their name and the grade that their child was in. And so her son is a senior, and he was graduating, so it said her name and then senior. And then she noticed that these four or five women just started pursuing her, like surrounding her peppering her with questions and she looked at their name tags and said the ladies names and they all had the word freshman and they were so drawn to Melissa because they knew that she was the parent of a senior and they were hungry to learn and I thought about that for our church and I thought about that for just people in general that are seeking Christ seeking what does it mean to to be a follower of Jesus and there's these questions And so wouldn't it be great if you had women or men that were walking around with their shirt that said, godly man, godly woman, I've messed up a lot, but God's walked me through this. Uh, I have no idea what I'm doing, but don't worry, I'm following the Lord. If you saw that and you knew you had permission, would you go and ask them questions? So instead of waiting for us to do a name tag thing, I thought, well, let me find some men I don't know if their kids are seniors necessarily, but they're godly men. They're men that I feel, they're not just fathers. In fact, when we did the women's panel, there were a few women that I asked to be on it that weren't biological moms. It's more than being a biological dad or a biological mom. If you're a man of God or a woman woman of God, you just take on that nature with people. Where you, for example, for a man, whether you're a father or not, you Something happens inside of you where God shapes you to protect, provide, and care. And so these are men like that. So I want to introduce you to them. Well, actually, I'm not going to introduce you to them. I'll pass it off to Greg to do what he's going to do. But I asked these men to do it because they're godly men. They're men that I would want my children around. They're men that I want you around. So now you get to meet them. Thanks, Boog. Thanks, Boog. Well, I've known Boog for 12, 15 years, something like that, and know your kids and their ages, but for both Rich and John, I really don't know you guys and don't know your stories, so if you wouldn't mind sharing with me about your families to help me gain some perspective as to what you're going to share. Sure, I'll start. Um, Greg, so I have, uh, I have uh, three children, uh, Marissa, Jacob, and Hannah, aged uh, 25, 27, 28. Uh, the uh, younger two are uh, still in the area. Uh, we're empty nesters. Uh, the, older, the oldest one is uh, living in Arizona and is engaged to be married early next year. Uh, I've been married to my wife, Marlon, for 32 years. And um, yeah, so 
turn it to John. Well, the cool thing about this, too, is, is Greg was asking these questions this morning. And I said, no, no, stop asking him. Just ask him here authentically, just since you don't know all their stories, just ask him here. So this is literally Greg and some of them are hearing this from each other for the first time. Okay, my name is John Marcone. Uh, Jody, my wife, many of you know, we've been married 31 years. We have two happily married sons. Johnny's 28 and Jake's 26. And Johnny's in the area, Jake's down in Encinitas. And G, what's your story? My story is my wife is in the back, the lovely Asian girl in the back row. Uh, her name is Jessica, and we've been married almost two years. And then our son, Jonah, is currently with Auntie Kim, and he is six weeks old, and he's our first. So, this is, so since I'm asking the questions, I'm going to start right away, since you just said you just had a kid. What was it like? What was going through your mind and your heart when you first found out that you were going to be a dad? Well, you're looking at me, so I guess I should start. Is that right? Staring right in your eyeballs. <laughs> it was a tremendous blessing. Jess and I came to marriage later in life. I was in my 40s. She was in her 30s. And so having a family was something that we had both desired, but the Lord had told us both to wait. And on my 44th, no, I guess it was my 45th birthday, uh, Jess came to me and shared the news that she was pregnant. And it was a tremendous moment, a moment where I was both overjoyed and terrified at the same time, but truly blessed in that I had the opportunity to become a parent and go through this with my wife, and we were both terribly excited and terribly terrified. Sure. Uh, yeah, I would say the same thing. Uh, it was a mixture of um, joy and uh, pride and excitement, but also a great deal of apprehension. Um, many of my friends were telling me, dude, your life has just changed forever. <laughs> and, um, and it has, you know, for, for the better. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I also, it was a time for me to start reflecting on myself, uh, turn a little bit into a self-assessment uh, what do I need to do? What do I do now? What do I have to change? So for me, that was very much a, a part of it as well. Yeah, Jody tricked me. She said we had to go to some Laguna gallery. So I was all excited about going to look at art. And then she <laughs> drove up and she dropped the news on me and I was really excited. And then, holy smokes, this is happening. <laughs> um. I want to let you guys in on what our hope is here at the beginning. Um, for Father's Day, for some of you it's a great day, for some of you it's a very painful day, um, but we are trying to not really focus on fatherhood, but on how fatherhood has opened up for these men who God is, who they are, and what it means to be a man. And this is really for all of us. So whether you're a father or a man 
or a single lady or a married woman or a young man. This is about who God is and what, is, what should the standard be that we hold men to? And that's why I asked these men because these are men that uh, the next question is perfect because when we talk about what does it mean to be a man, what does it mean to be a, a, a man who's imitating Christ, the first thing you need to know is that you are so far from that. And so these guys, probably more than anyone else, know that they fall way short. And so we talked a little bit about when you knew you were going to be a dad, at what point did you know you had no idea what you were doing, or at a deeper level, at what point did you realize, oh no, like, I'm not the man that I thought I was supposed to be to be a dad. I'm not qualified. I'm not grown up enough. I, I have these issues, or I have these shortcomings. What was that like? When, when, Jody and I, when Jody got released from the hospital, we looked at each other, and Johnny was, you know, brand new, and we looked at the nurse and said, can you change him one more time? <laughs> we don't actually know how to do that. <laughs> and then you, you, you realize that they send you out, and you just get in a car, and you put a baby in it, and they tell you to go. There's no instruction manual. There's no website to look up. You're just kind of off doing this. So that's when you need to start thinking about what comes next. How do I do this? And, and that's where a whole group of people comes in handy, show you how to get that done. Yeah, I, I think for me, the uh, real, realization happened immediately after the birth of our first daughter when I put the wrong name on the birth certificate. <laughs> But I was exhausted. You know, it was a long night. Um, and uh, Marlon, of course, had her act totally together and wanted to check it before we filed it or whatever you do, you do with it. And she, she discovered that. So we, we got that Wait, taken care of. you never told us what the other name was. I don't remember. It was a misspelling of some sort, you know. But, um, yeah, that's, that, that's not right. <laughs> so I had to go back find that office somewhere in the hospital and find those people, get it, get it fixed. But, um, yeah, and, and, you know, and then it just kind of went from there, and it's kind of been a journey of two steps forward, one step back. Um, but, you know, God's grace has, has been there. He's kind of covered my inadequacies in a lot of ways. And, um, yeah, but uh, there was a lot of instances like that, yeah. For me personally, I feel like every... Day over the last six weeks, there's been at least one moment where I've thought to myself, what the heck am I doing? Like, how do you get this onesie on? Or why does he pee every time I take the diaper off? Or he's fed, he's clean and burped, why won't he stop crying? And like John just mentioned, there's no manual that says you put a onesie on like this, or you put a diaper on like this. And watching half a dozen nurses swaddle Jonah in the hospital a half a dozen different ways, I was trying to take mental notes like, okay, I'm going to have to do this on my own in like two days. So let me see what she's doing. And then I'd be like, that's completely different than the other nurse. Can we have some <laughs> consistency, please? So I know what to do when I get home. But I'm learning that a lot of parenting is kind of figuring out what works for me, for Jess, and for Jonah, 
and there's a lot of trial and error, at least my experience thus far with a tiny, helpless baby. <laughs> so I have two questions. One, you have no idea that's coming. And I warned you about that ahead of time. There are a lot of questions you wouldn't know were coming. Um, but this one you did know, and then I'll ask the question that you weren't expecting. What does it look like, because you reach this point, not only with the diapers and all that, but you reach this point of understanding where you realize you're not enough for your children. You just aren't enough. What does that process practically look like for you when you surrendered your children to the Lord? When you said, okay, Lord, you're, you're going to have to grow them up. I'm here to help. I'm here to be the dad here on earth, but you've got to be the father. What does that practically look like? Or what was that experience like? Well, I think, uh, you know, for me, it's been a prayer uh, journey. Uh, we've had more than our fair share, I think, of um, injury and illness and totaled vehicles and, um, you know, potentially life-changing mishaps uh, along the way. And, you know, you quickly realize that, um, you know, or I quickly realized I'm, I'm not in control and I had to surrender this. Uh, surrender this to God and um, you know it's just recognizing that uh, you know God these are your children and um, I need your help and you know pray that his will would be done yeah for me there was a situation uh, September 20th 1993 I was starting a brand new job first day on the job and Jody called and said listen to this and so down around her feet Jake was running around. He wasn't quite two years old yet. And there was this, <gasps> I said, well, what happened? She said, I, I don't know. He was eating peanuts. And then he, and so she said, should I take him to the doctor? I said, yeah, take him to the doctor. So she took him over to the doctor. And then she called back. And this is before cell phones. So we didn't have cell phones. I was sitting at work. And she's at the doctor's office. And the doctor's telling her that, yes, he ingested a peanut. And it could be fatal. So I'm at my first day at work and my wife's not very happy right now. And I'm working in Paramount, and she's in Dana Point. So I'm an hour away from doing anything. So it was, it was one of those moments where you're truly helpless. There's nothing you can do. Sorry, guys. <laughs> so I just gave Jake to God. I said... If you need him up there, then you can take him. But if I have any choice in the matter, I'm not done with him yet. We need him here. My heart can't take that. So I'm going to drive home now, and there will be no communication. So there's nothing I can do about it, but it's in your hands. And then all the way home I prayed, and I talked and up to that point, I think I probably prayed with a lot of vows and these. And, um, and that was the time when I just started talking. Because that's what you're supposed to do with your dad, is you just talk, right? That's what we want as dads. That's what we want as people, is for kids to come and talk to us. So I thought, well, gosh, if this is my dad, then let's just talk. So we talked all the way home. And I got there, and he, they actually put him right into surgery, and they got the peanut out of his lung. Pretty simple. He was not quite two years old, so he doesn't maybe even know what happened. And then I thought about, well, gee, was that the way to get through to me? 
Was I hard-headed up to that point, not being completely open? Was I not surrendering? So all of that process was, was a very interesting thing. And at that point, I realized that it's not, you know, there's only so much we can do, but what a great privilege it is to be dad, to have those conversations, you know, to get to a point where um, we, 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 aren't, we aren't the last answer, but um, we have this opportunity every day to model what God has given us. What I mean, guys, I have to tell you, the thought that day that God had sacrificed his son for us, if I have the choice, you all are in trouble. Because <laughs> that was tough. And, and that thought makes it easier every day to try to do the, 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 the appropriate thing so that we can get to the end and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, because that's what we're after. So, anyway. well, let, me, let me sneak in my question based on what you just shared right there. Because this is the sneaky question you didn't know was coming. So I had a, the moment when my f first was born, when Keaton was born, and I'd heard about this connection. Like, you're going you're gonna to want to jump in front of a truck for your kid, and this and that. And um, at first, I was like, oh, look, he has my feet, you know, with a huge gap in the toes, and he looks like a little loaf of bread that hasn't gone into the oven yet. And, but there was no connection, and then I started getting worried. I found out much later, this is normal, and I've coached other fathers in this as well. But I remember he was born in June, and then July 4th, he was in the bed, and he was right in front of me, and he just kind of looked up at me, and then something happened where I realized, I, it's not even a realization, like I just kind of stretched. And this love that I didn't know I could ever have for another person just kind of took over. And I realized I would do whatever, however, for this person. How, not necessarily when was that moment, but how has your life changed in terms of living a life of love because of your children and because of that stretch? I didn't, or I haven't, had a moment like you're explaining, Bug, but... Certainly, as Jonah has become less loafy, and although he's still, his belly is still very loafy, but as he becomes a little bit more of a tiny human, I can see my love for him deepen, and I don't know how many of you just heard, but he just cooed in the back, and my ears have become attuned to that because that's my son. And as I grow each day to know and love him more, that connection is growing. And one of the benefits of coming to fatherhood later in life is having a lot of examples, both positive and negative, to draw from. And I'm really blessed to have a community of brothers that I've walked with that model for me what love means for their kids. And as he grows, I see what that means in my own life and what it will mean, which I think is one of the questions that's coming, so I'll stop right there. 
So you guys can answer that question now or later, however you feel comfortable. But one of the questions that um, comes out of that is we talk about loving your children. There's this immediate connection you make with your, with your children where you know how much you love them. And then you're like, oh, my gosh. Is that how my Father in Heaven loves me? And you know, people can talk about love, but the one, one of the benefits of being, um, having that connection with a child, and sometimes it's not your own child. Like, truth is, I have other younger people that I have that connection with also that aren't my biological children, um, where I just, I, it opens up my mind and my heart to how much God loves me. <laughs> What has that experience been for you? When were moments, or what is your connection for knowing that if, if love is, can be defined as sacrifice, then how have you, because of being a father and having God work in your heart, how has that opened up your eyes and your heart to how much God loves you? Well, you know, as, as you guys were saying, I mean, you, you can't even describe the love that you have for your your children, you would, you would do absolutely anything for them. And we used to tell our kids when they were young, you know, there's absolutely nothing you could do that could make us love you more or make us love you any less. We love you as much as is humanly possible to love somebody. And then when you think about, you know, as John said, you know, God's sacrifice of his son and how, you know, you can't even fathom that it's 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 beyond my my comprehension and when you you think you know so you know thinking about you know uh, my heart for my kids and the joy that I take in them and the blessing that they are to me and how easy it is for me to forgive them and then you start to think of our father in heaven in infinite terms I think you know for me that uh, you know having having kids I mean it's another part of the story, maybe another question, but they're the reason we came back to church. They brought us uh, to the Lord. So what do you mean they brought you to the Lord? They dragged you there or? Uh, no, my mom used to do that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, when we, when, uh, you know, I, I'm, I was a, a true prodigal. Uh, my mom used to drag me to church when I was a kid. Uh, I rebelled as a teenager. I ran from God all through my 20s. Uh, when we had our, our first uh, child um, and trying to figure it out, I said, well, I know one thing we got to do is we've got to, you know, uh, take this baby and get it baptized. And we got to find a Lutheran church because that's the true church, um, <laughs> at least what I, what, what I had been taught. And, you know, so we got out the yellow pages, which is what we used back then. And uh, there was one down the street. And, uh, you know, we went there to have Marissa baptized and it was just a community that was amazing you know you could just feel the the love in this uh, this group of people and we felt welcome and and safe there and um you know one thing led to another it wasn't a big bang conversion i was kind of waiting from the shallow to the deep end of the pool and finally got in over my head and surrendered and became born again um and then uh, yeah that's that's kind of how we we made it back You guys want to answer that question or want me to move on to the next one? Time flies. I told you we're getting towards the end here already. <laughs> I told you it goes fast. Well, one of the questions that, um, that I wanted to make sure we asked 
is how has being a dad taught you about what it means to be a man? Does that make sense? So, because as we shared for this morning, we don't want to just talk about what it means to be a dad, but a dad is just another reflection of what it means to be a man. So how would you define from your experience of being a dad and all of our failures and all of our shortcomings and looking at who our Heavenly Father is, what would you tell, if you had a, well, you all have sons, actually. That's kind of unique. Since you all have a son, what would you tell your son, what does it mean to be a man? If I may change your question slightly, I'm going to talk for a moment about my own dad, who unfortunately isn't here this morning. He's on a, a sojourn across the country by himself driving a car. But from the time I was little, I noticed my dad make sacrifices for the family. And for 52 years, he made sacrifices. And particularly the last few years, my mom passed away a little more than a year ago from Alzheimer's. And the last three or four years of her life were really a challenge. And she came to the point where she needed 24-hour care. And for most of those three or four years, that was my dad. Uh, she spent the last couple months of her life in the hospital and in a home. But for about three years, my dad was her primary caregiver. And for me, recognizing in my father a change where he became very much the caregiver, whereas... Growing up, he had been the provider. He was a great dad, and he was always there for me and my brother. But my mom was the one who took care of us. And then seeing the way he continued to make sacrifices for my mom is the reason that Jonah's middle name is Michael, because that's my dad. And my prayer for my life is that I can follow that model of sacrifice and my prayer for my son's life is that he would see that in me and in the relationship I have with my wife. And then that he would come to model that. And essentially, we, we can look at it as humans and say, yeah, my dad's a good man. He was a good father and a good husband. But how much more when we apply that to the Lord and recognize the ultimate sacrifice that he made that my brothers up here have referenced because I would do anything for that little guy and how much more would God our Heavenly Father do for us and how much more has he done for us so I recognize the sacrifice through my life as a son and seeing what both my earthly and my heavenly fathers have done for me I think that becoming a dad um, in terms of being a man, it gives you uh, motivation to make the right decisions, to do the right things, to model the right behavior. Um, and sometimes just doing it for yourself isn't enough. A lot of times we can let ourselves down and we'll get over it. 
a lot of times if you have God as that motivation, you know that he'll forgive you because that's what we teach every Sunday, right? Is he'll forgive you and bring you back in. But sometimes you have that, uh, your kids, your family, as that motivation to do the, to, when you're tired, do the right thing, to, to be the better man, to help that person push their car off the road, to hold the door, to help what, whatever you see happening to, to come out and, and uh, model what it is to be a man. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's just for your kids. It might be for the whole neighborhood. You know, you go out and you do whatever that is for all the kids because now you're learning how to be a man um, not just for your kids, but you realize that maybe there's a friend who needs uh, a father figure or a man figure. And now you can step up and do that because you understand that all of a sudden it becomes more clear to you that that's important in the larger context, not just within your own house, but maybe in a, in a bigger area. And, and that, I think, becoming a father helps you understand that there's a role that you need to play. And it's not just men, it's women, and it's not, like you said, it's not just moms and dads, it's, you know, if, you're, if there's a kid next door, his dad may not be the perfect example. So you guys could be the example of how to be a man. Show him how it's supposed to go. In a lot of cases here, I would think, uh, dad and might have provided a perfect example of how not to do it. We, we have a bunch of those. All, everybody here has got some of that. So that's one way. But you can provide the example of how to do it. This is how a man responds. This is how a man helps the guy next door, helps the lady down the street. This is what a man does when he makes a mistake. He talks about it and admits it and whatever. So you have that, the, the, the fatherhood part helps you with that whole broader context. Yeah, I, I would uh, I would agree uh, with everything that that's been said, and um, I think another important lesson for me is that um, what what I do is more important than what I say. Uh, in in that regard, um, you know that it's caught you know more than it's than it's taught, and just trying to be that that model, um, certainly we all agree that the model of a man is not what popular culture portrays it to be. Um, that's kind of, you know, that's where most people, you know, will default to if they don't, if they don't have that, that model. And, you know, just asking yourself, um, what kind of man do I want my daughters to marry? Um, how do I want my son to treat women? Uh, you have you cannot underestimate the profound influence that you have on your kids and your your family. Yeah, I think along those lines, it's not whether you're going to have an effect on your children, it's how you're going to have an effect on your children, and so that should be part of your decision making, not just every day, but every decision you make. That's part of the deal. I told you the time would fly. Um, I wanted to close this time with going off of what John just said. Um, I was talking with a, a guy earlier, uh, not this last week, the week before, and um, as I was talking with him, 
He's not a dad yet, but he was making decisions in his life that weren't who he was meant to be. You know, you can say, hey, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to be doing this, but it's, it's bigger than that. This, this man was more than that. And I said, you, you need to be who you really are. Because whether you like it or not, you're kind of a big deal. And he doesn't see himself that way, but God has made us and designed us that you will have an influence on other people. Whether you're a dad or not, whether you're a mom or not, and God has designed you to be that way. And so a good way to say it's not a matter if you're going to have an influence, it's how are you going to? Because you will. And as you live this life of submission, now when we talk about, you know, this is one of those hot topics that's been going on for decades, but it's one of those that we've already kind of figured out. So hopefully you've already figured this out. You know, this, this scripture that men and women argue about where it says, wives, submit to your husbands. And then the women are like, what? And the men are like, yeah, that, that happened a long time ago. Like we figured it out by now because if you look at the whole scripture, it says we need to submit to each other. Husbands, submit to your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. We just pull out what we want when we want it. But if you look at the fullness of it, we as human beings were designed to submit to each other. The word sub means to go underneath, which means to serve. So as a dad, you are at your best when you've given your life away. When you're a mom, you're at your best when you've given yourself away. When you're a husband, you're at your best when you've given yourself away and you put the needs of others above your own. When you're a child, when you start to become an adult is when you start to embrace that. When you submit to others, your neighbors, the people you work with, and to submit means to serve them. And that's the perfection of being a dad. That's the perfection of being a coworker or a spouse. And so hearing these men talk, but even more beneficial for me, I get to see them live out life. That's what they look like. And so if you leave with something, something this morning, I hope that you get to leave seeing the signature or the fingerprints of God in their life. So I want to pray for us. We're going to invite the worship team up. Um, can we thank these men for helping out? Thank you. So I'm going to invite you to, to stand with me. I'm going to pray, and then the worship team is going to lead us. Uh, we already prayed for the offering. If you're visiting, just put the connection card in. Um, and the offering is, is really an offering to the Lord. So I want to pray that we use it for what he wants it to be used for. And uh, another thing that we touched on but we didn't really get to touch on is as you leave here, um, some of you, Father's Day is amazing. And I'm 99.9% .9 sure every one of you here has a father somewhere, somehow. And either you need to call that father and you need to tell them what they mean to you. If they've given, if they've sacrificed, they need to hear that. I know, we need to hear it. But for some of you, you look back and you're like, ugh. And you see all the mistakes, you see all the shortcomings, you see all things that have fallen short. Well, a couple things. One, you have the chance to change that cycle. But I also want you to have patience with your parents. I'm one of those that Father's Day is a little rough. Um, my father, my grandfather, in fact, my grandfather, I didn't even like the guy. He was a cranky, mean dude. And my mom would always talk him up. And I'm like, yeah, we're not talking about the same guy. And this wasn't her dad. This was my dad's dad. 
And I went, um, when I'd go to their house, I'd avoid him because he was just mean. And then I just found out, like a, a few weeks ago, my uncle told me, because the Rose men don't talk, but it slipped out. He said, yeah, uh, granddad actually, he was in three different wars and shot down three different times. And he was going through all the detail. One time where he was completely in a body cast and all he had was a, a slit for the mouth and a slit from behind. That was all he had and he had been it for months. And he said when dad came back from that one in Korea, he was just a different guy. He was just different. And so I can sit there and talk about how he's mean, how he's cranky, but if you understand the battles that your parents, your grandparents are going through from behind, it'll give you mercy and grace for them. So maybe when you leave today, it's not just calling them, but maybe it's having mercy and grace for them. Um, so let me pray for us and then uh, the worship team will lead us. Father, the ultimate Father, we surrender to you and show us how to submit to each other. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as they were playing that song, and i trying to kind of feel the temperature of the room a little bit, we need to know this. This is what I told my kids. I said, you guys need to understand that I'm doing my best to be a dad, and I'm going to mess this up. And you're going to get angry later on. Oh, it's coming. And then you're going to blame me for stuff. I get it. But you need to understand that you have your heavenly father. He will never let you down. He's perfect. You are safe in his arms. I didn't use those words, but I might use them now when we get home. <laughs> Do you know that? That we serve each other, we care for each other, but we're all going to make mistakes. But he doesn't. And as we can see him and see his love for us, his reckless love for us, it'll give us mercy towards each other, towards our parents, towards our kids, and with ourselves. To know that if he loves us that much, then we must be valuable. There's a verse that we started with. Usually, I mean, you know, we just fill the morning with scripture. And we've done something different this morning where we started it in the beginning, talked about it in the middle. But maybe at the end right now is when we're going to define it the clearest. Jesus, when he had the other guys he was with that were his students, his disciples, his apprentices, they were arguing about who's going to get a certain job or a certain honor. And he had to, like, correct them and remind them, like, this is why you're here on earth. Not just men, but women as well. And he said, look, even the Son of Man, even me, Jesus, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, to submit, to give my life away as a ransom for many. That's how much God loves you. So if you don't know that, we want to make sure you leave this morning knowing that clear, as clear as we know how to communicate with words, with music, and with prayer.